0: Are you ready? Yes! Yes! Yes!
1: Uh, let's get ready to
0: rumble.
2: Can't wait. This, this, this is, is Marvin on the mic ready. on the A1 Sports Network.
1: Bow to the masters. Break it down. How are you doing everybody and welcome to the Moffat on the Mic Radio Show? We are live as always on the A1 Sports Network Facebook page. I am Craig Moffat, and of course, this show would not be complete without the production stylings and the man who gives me the time for free, Chris Clip. What's up, Craig? You can follow the show on Instagram as always at Moff on the Mic. You can follow Clem and the A1 Sports Network on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Clem, I am very excited for tonight's show. We are talking hockey. We are going to be talking Ranger hockey, and we're going to try to sneak in a little Islander hockey with a Rangers beat writer, which we hope is allowed. But uh, we'll be talking to, he's been a past guest on our show a few times. We always love having him on, and uh, we always appreciate when he takes the time to hang out with us. Rangers beat writer for Newsday, Colin Stevenson, will be joining us in about 10 minutes. He said around eight o'clock he'll be on. Uh, NHL draft just concluded over the weekend. So I want to get his thoughts on that. And uh, where the Rangers are really headed this offseason with the cap space and, you know, they look like they're kind of transitioning into a different style of hockey with some of the moves they've made. The uh, Barkley Goodrow uh, trade from the Lightning and then giving him, I think he got a six-year deal extension. And he plays a very physical type of hockey. That could be what they're looking for to protect their younger, you know, younger offensive players and stuff. So we're going to get into all that with him as well. We're going to get into – and I want to see what he thought about the expansion draft because he had he had a had a nice little tweet about it. Um I mean I thought that the expansion draft in itself was pretty comical, the way they kind of did it. The ESPN people looked really nervous. They looked like they really didn't know what to say. In a way, it was almost like they looked like they didn't know anything about hockey. But um, you know, the expansion draft concluded on Wednesday and uh the Islanders lose Jordan Everly, the Rangers lose Colin Blackwell to uh to the Kraken and um Free agency begins this week as well, so I'm very curious to hear what Colin has to say on the Rangers as well as the Islanders. Clem, I want to let you know that I saw Black Widow over the weekend. How good is it? It was good. Um, The only issue is I'm not sure if it's a movie that needed to be made, if you catch my drift. Okay. But I thought it was good. I thought it was very entertaining. I I know... I was gonna say I know it
2: takes place after uh, I think it's Civil War. It takes place after Civil War, so it takes place right after Civil War.
1: Yeah, so I mean, like, I I, not giving away. I, I will not give Civil War away to people who haven't seen it. So.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for. Like, I'm, I love Black Widow. I love Scarlett Johansson. Um, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the Black Widow character itself, but I'm always down for a good origin story. I was like I always like that so. I'm, no, I'm still I'm still I'm still waiting to go see it.
1: That is the first time I think ever I have sat through the credits of a movie.
2: I heard and the before, end credits
1: was good. I went to see it with my daughter and my daughter was like are we re- are you ready to go and I was like no you can't you can't leave yet. And I'm like I <laughs> sit there. And then I look around, bro, everybody in the fucking theater was was sitting there waiting. Even And there was like seven or eight old people, like people over the age of like 65. Mm-hmm. They're waiting for the credits to, to, to finish it's up. crazy, man. So it's like, and those are true Marvel fans. I was very proud of those people. Right. But it was a lot. It was a good movie. Like I said, I don't think it needed to be made, but I think it was an entertaining movie all around. So I'm excited movie, to see it. The next one on my it's supposed to be Spider Man Homecoming, but I can't watch it because I don't have any access to it. So I'm going to skip it and watch uh, Black Panther. That's gonna be Black right.
2: Panther, look, like, I will say this about Black Panther. Everyone raved at how good Black Panther was.
1: And it was, it was good. good. I thought it was overrated.
2: I'm with you, man. It, <laughs> I'm with you. It, it, it was very good. It was very good. I'll it was give good, that. but not as good as people made it out to be. Exactly. Exactly. I went into that movie thinking I'm about to I'm about to watch the best movie of whatever year it came out because everyone talked about it so much. I'm like, oh, yeah, here we go. I'm ready. I watched it. I'm like, it was good. It was very good.
1: But it, it wasn't. wasn't- like, yeah, I, I thought it was entertaining. Like the, the thing is, is this is my thing with also the Star Wars movies. OK, I like the Star Wars movies, so it doesn't take much to entertain me with Star Wars. Right, but people are literally obsessed with Star Wars, and with me, it's just like they get so pissy when a movie's not good, or oh, they waited two years, three years for the next Star Wars movie to come out, and then it comes out and they're disappointed.
3: Yeah,
1: I'm not like that. I I don't really care. Like I, I'm not like a oh my god, this is like horrible. Like I it does not take much to entertain me with Star Wars. Right. No, like, no. and it, the same thing with the Marvel movies. Like I am. I am entertained. They're great popcorn movies to sit through. And also, you know, I would probably rank black widow at the bottom and not really be. And that does not necessarily a terrible thing. It's just the fact that I think others were better. Other movies were better than black widow. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all it is. You sat through three captain America movies and all three were very good. You sat, I sat through three iron man movies and all three were very good. Um, the Avengers movies are very good. So that's eight movies right there. So outside of Incredible Hulk, which I refuse to see because I'm not a Hulk fan, but I, I just can't. It's a good movie. It's just not a great movie. That's it.
2: Yeah. No, but like, yeah, but back back to Black Panther, though, like Chadwick Boseman did a hell of a job. Michael, yeah, B. Just, Jordan, how- Michael B. Jordan. So good. Forrest Whitaker, Gina, uh. All, they all played such a good role, and it was gr- It was a great movie. But, like, the way people hyped it up, I was expecting, like, Titanic, Gone with the Wind, Terminator, like, Avatar, like, on that level of how good it was. Like, and it, it, it was good,
1: but not that good. Yeah. So since, since this is basically a hockey show today with Colin coming on in a few minutes, I don't know if you've been looking at the Islanders rumors going around, that apparently today Ryan Suter has now nam- – has dwindled his uh, choice down to two teams the Isles and the Dallas Stars. Oof. But another another social media page for the Islanders is saying that Suter wants a 4-year deal. And Oof. he's 36 and I was like there's no way he's getting a 4-year deal.
2: Can't get a 4-year deal.
1: I'll he's a 2-year. He won't get a 4-year deal from the Islanders. No way. And I'd I don't think he'd get him from Dallas either. I don't think Dallas Dallas would be stupid to give him a 4-year deal. Look,
2: Ryan Suter's good. But, like, is he going to be good at 40? We don't know. I'll, I'll give him a two year deal.
1: Like, Parisi, like, I think
2: Parisi's more likely to come to the Islanders than Suter. I don't think Suter's coming to the Islanders. I, I, I fully believe Vladimir Tarasenko will be an
1: Islander. See, I disagree, man. I think it's going to be Landeskog. I'm convinced it it's Gabriel Landeskog. It could be. I think both, Tarasenko's sure. the out there. The Blues are going to want too much for Taras. Now, you could possibly get both. Yes. Which I would not objection i would not object to you know we almost have that weird feel of like when the islanders went after yashin and pekka mm-hmm. like that year and they right. traded guys like wade reddin and they traded a whole bunch of other guys and everything but i would not be upset with tarasenko and Landeskog landing in the aisle landing with the Islanders. that being said though i think it's going to cost you bovillier it might have to and honestly I'm okay, I'm okay with that. I'm okay, I'm okay with, with that, that too. Man. I'm not I'm not one of these hope these Islanders fans hopelessly devoted to the current roster. I love the guys on the team, but I'm not going to sit here and beg the Islanders to keep Anthony Beauvillier. like you it's what's the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and getting a different trying to get a different result. Yeah. I think if you bring the same team back this year, you're going to get I don't think you're going to be as good as Tampa Bay. In fact, I don't know if you're going to be as good as the Rangers or Philadelphia, because I think all those teams are going to improve.
2: Look, we, we said it last year prior to the season. And we, and we both, we both agreed on it that, you know, if the Islanders bring back the same team, they weren't going to get that far. And we were, and I, I, again, I think it was a miracle that they got to the Eastern conference finals again, granted that's just how good of a coach you can see Barry Trotz is and how, how important team chemistry is when it comes Mm -hmm. to being on the ice. But, you know, we, we watched the Islanders play, and they played, they played their ass off. But, again, we knew deep down – Islanders fans knew deep down that it wasn't going to work just because of the fact that you came back with the same exact team minus Anders Lee. And I would love to continue this talk, but Colin is here.
1: All right, put him through. Joining us right now on the Moffat on the Mic Show, he's been our guest in the past. We always love hanging out with him, talking hockey. We are, of course, talking about Newsday beat writer for the New York
3: Rangers – Colin Stevenson. Hey, Colin. Hey, what's going on? How's it going, man? Oh, I'm all right. Just hanging in. Yeah. Getting ready for some crazy wackiness on Wednesday. You know how it goes. <laughs> oh, free agent frenzy. I know all about it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, first of all, how's everything with you during the pandemic? How's it been? How's it been covering the teams this year? I mean, you obviously can't go in the locker room.
3: Yeah, that's... It's kind uh, that...
1: of a weird transition with Zoom and all that stuff.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, it, it makes it easier but less satisfying. Mm Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's easier to produce something because I can do it from anywhere. I can do it from my living room, right? Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it makes it very difficult to get any kind of relationship with people you're working with. And thus you're restricted in the kinds of stories you can write. Um, you know, all of us who cover the team are getting the same people every day, Yeah. Uh, So, uh, and and we all have access to each other's questions. So we're all getting the same answers. Um, and and so we all, you know, we, you know, over the course of the year, you, you, you know, you find ways of writing stuff that's different from everyone else, but for the most part, everybody writes the same story every day. And that's, that's not what you want. I mean, you want when you have, um, you know, a bunch of different people doing it that, you know, people will have different takes and people will talk to different people and, you know, if the, if the readers, a lot of the readers read all of us or read many of us. And so if they're reading the same story, you know, three or four different ways, it's less satisfying than if they're reading two or three different stories. So, you know, we're hoping that, you know, this, this season, I don't know if we'll be back to normal, but at least if we can, uh, you know, if we can get back into the locker rooms, that would be really, really huge. Because then you can get a guy that somebody else doesn't have and you can write something different than everybody else does. Right. Um, we
1: tried to get you on right after, right as close to the season. And then when the story broke, and originally a few months back with the sudden firing of John Davidson. Yeah. Jeff Gordon. Um, yeah. What was your initial reaction? Because when I saw it pop up on my feed, I thought it was a joke. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, Davidson seemed to be a guy they really liked in the front office. And, you know, Gordon pretty much. I never really heard anything bad or he was really on the verge of being out. So, so this is a two-part question. The first one is your opinion of that. And the second opinion, the question I have is, did you think this was kind of nothing more than James Dolan having nothing better to do because the Knicks were doing so well?
3: Uh, <laughs> I, I won't say that. Um, I will say that. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a, a shock to me um, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know we you know jd got hired pretty quickly after that maybe a few days later i don't know if it was quite a week later where he got his old job back basically in columbus and so um you know they had a zoom call and columbus is great with uh with access and stuff and so we were all able to get on that call and and hear from jd and stuff and he said he was asked if, if he had an inkling of something Coming down the pike, and he said he did. He had heard some rumblings, or he had felt some rumblings, and so he wasn't completely and totally blindsided like the rest of us. But um, you know, looking at it from the outside in, I mean, I, you know, it, it it looked like a reaction to them getting pushed around by the Islanders maybe a few days before, um, and then getting you know that that game in Washington. So it looked like that was that was the impetus for the moves. Uh, although, you know, the spin um, is that it wasn't. The spin is that perhaps the owner felt like, um, you know, that the team should have made the playoffs and, and wasn't going to, and maybe that was an issue and felt like, like maybe they, they could have sped up the, uh, the process. And I mean, I, that doesn't, it doesn't really, I I don't know if I buy that all the way. Um, I think, I think the, you know, I think they're getting beat up by the Islanders was, was embarrassing. And, um, and then, you know, and then the thing happened with Washington, which we all, we all know about, we all saw. And I think he was just like, you know what, I'm just going to do this. So, but that's just my speculation. I don't, I don't uh, have any, have anybody telling me that that's what it is. That's just what it looks like to me. Yeah, because, you know, it just came out
2: of the blue. And I was like, like Craig said, I thought it was a joke at first because of the fact that, you know, you saw the year prior that, you know, the Rangers got hot at the right time and they were able to make the playoffs. And, you know, you had guys like Adam Fox, uh, Shesterkin, Panarin won uh, MVP, was was an MVP candidate and all these things. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, they're in the midst of this rebuild and added in the clear blue sky they fire the president and the gm it's like and the and the coach it's like like what's going on and like and like and like craig said i i have friends who are diehard rangers fans for been years now and they it's just so funny they all said the same thing i was like what the i was like what's going on with the rangers he's like and all my friends said the exact same thing don't just bored because the knicks are so good right now
3: well, uh, you know, I, I suppose, but the Knicks were but the Knicks did make the playoffs and and uh you should have been happy, you know. And um look, the Rangers uh they announced their intention we're gonna go into rebuild, which teams do, and nobody's ever announced their intentions to do so, as far as I can tell. I mean, I think the Rangers really broke ground by sending <laughs> a letter to the fans saying, Hey, listen, we've had a nice run, we're gonna go on a we're going to go on a little rebuild here and it's going to take some time. Or we're going to get rid of some people that you like and fan favorites and such. Nobody's done that before. And you know what, the LA Kings kind of followed suit and they, they announced a rebuild too. And, uh, and so now it became kind of a wave, you know, and LA's rebuild I think is going well, it looks like anyway, they're collecting a lot of young talent. The Rangers rebuild certainly has gone very, very well. They've collected a lot of talent. They've restocked their, uh, you know, their farm system and, and, and they've got a lot of prospects. They played, look, in, in, in this season, they were literally the youngest team in the NHL up until, you know, the trade deadline when New Jersey sold off all their guys and got rid of Kyle Palmieri and Travis Ajak and all those guys. Um, so for most of the season, they were the youngest team in the league and, and, and they played pretty well. And, you know, it's a weird year too with COVID, right? I mean, who would have thought Philadelphia was going to miss the playoffs? I wouldn't have and they did because you know they missed some time they had a lot of guys missed with covid and and uh and all that so you know you i don't think it's i don't think it's fair really to react um you know knee-jerk react to anything that happened this season especially when you had a plan and and you were following the plan and (laughs) there seemed to be light at the end of the tunnel Mm -hmm. but you know uh they did what they did um the owner did what he did and uh and now you have a new general manager in place and uh you know he got rid of the coach which you know i I, you know i I kind of was wondering whether he would do it because he's so close to the coach right i mean he, he was very instrumental in uh in hiring uh you know chris drury that is was very instrumental in hiring uh in the process of hiring david quinn david quinn and chris drury's older brother are like you know best friends um and and uh, so I mean I, I was I was curious to see whether Drury would pull the trigger and get rid of David Quinn and he and he did and listen I think that's probably um, that's reasonable that part is reasonable I mean if the president and the GM are gone yeah. and you have a new GM coming in uh, I think it's reasonable and and you know clearly they have to make the playoffs this time there's no monkeying around um, you could have started the season with him and if you know if he goes on a four game losing streak whack him then or You can do what he did which is to kind of you know um, get rid of him after the end of the season at least you give him a chance that way to maybe get another job Um, so I think you know that part I I thought was okay Um, but you know clearly Chris Drury is a is a is his own his own man he's he's not you know he's not to be confused with Jeff Gorton I mean he does things a lot differently and we'll see. I mean, he's been on the job. What he got the job in early May and now it's late July. So he's, you know, he's not even been on the job an entire offseason. He's got a, you know, he just got done with the draft. You know, he had to do an expansion draft and some maneuvering around that. Uh, he's made a couple of trades. Um, uh, you know, I think the, uh, you know, trading Brett Howden was, was a popular one, you know, for the, the fan base. I think, uh, you know, trading for, you um, know, um, what's, uh, this guy from oh, Tim? Bay, Barkley, Barkley Goudreau. I think that was a nice, nice trade and signing him. Um, you know, the draft is the draft. I mean, I don't think, you know, drafting at 16, you're going to get a guy that's going to make your team in the fall. So we'll see how that pans out. Um, and we'll see what he does, uh, you know, when free agency starts on Wednesday
1: speaking of free agency obviously the a lot of the talk that seems to be circling around the ranger blogs and the is the possibility of acquiring jack eichel from buffalo um last time i read it's really between the rangers and the minnesota wild that could uh, try to acquire him how likely do you think jack eichel will be a ranger and what do you think it could cost in prospects
3: well so i thought um that it could happen uh, before the draft around the draft and that the first round pick would be part of was what was going back to Buffalo. Obviously that didn't happen. They didn't make that trade. Uh, Instead they weren't able to trade the pick and they made the pick. So, okay, now they have a guy, uh, Brandon Hoffman, who they drafted uh, with the 16th overall pick. It was actually the 15th pick because as you know, Arizona had the 11th pick uh, forfeited. So it was the 15th player taken off the board. Uh, So they made the pick and, um, you know, Jack Eichel is still out there, but, you know, I've read uh, that the Buffalo general manager has said that, you know, hey, they're, you know, he's under contract and, you know, I mean, he's not, it doesn't sound like, uh, like he's desperate to get rid of Jack Eichel, um, which is, you know, as he should, as he should, right? Right. what are the odds of the Rangers getting Jack Eichel? I'd say at this point, probably 50 50. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think they have a match um, with Buffalo, uh, but it's just a question of how much you want to give up. I mean, if Buffalo says to you, okay, well, we want Alexis Lafreniere, obviously you're not going to do that. If they say to you, well, we must have Capo Caco, you know, Eichel is a number two pick overall. Kako is a number two pick overall. I mean, you know, they could reasonably ask for that, but do you want to do that? Yeah. I don't know. So, I mean, they have to negotiate and come up with, uh, with a package that works. Now, the Rangers have, uh, in the last week or so, gotten rid of a couple of, uh, you know, assets, right? So one of the assets would have been Pavel Buchnevich, who they traded to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the assets was that first-round pick, which, you know, they – didn't get a deal done. So they went ahead and made the pick. Um, um, So, I mean, but they do have other assets. I mean, you would think uh, if you're Buffalo and you decide you must trade Jack Eichel, you probably want back uh, somebody who could play center ice. So probably Ryan Strome would have to go. You want back a young player uh, who, you know, has some upside. So, you know, if you're not going to get Kako, um, and I'm not ruling it out that they couldn't, but um, but if, if you don't get him, then you probably want to get either Vitali Kravtsov or Filippito or both. Um, Buffalo did have the first pick overall, and they did take a defenseman, so I, I would think, you know, that, you know, earlier people were talking about Keandre Miller is, is a, a target, but I, I think if you're the Rangers, you can safely say, no, we're not giving him up and Buffalo, you know, has all in power. So I don't know that they would press so hard to get Keandre Miller. So I would think, you know, I mean, again, if you're looking at potential, um, you know, return for Eichel, I mean, I would think, you know, you would start with Strom and, you know, you would probably want to talk about Hedl and craftsoff uh, and then, you know, ultimately i'm sure buffalo would probably hold out for caco but you know again i don't i don't know if the rangers want to do that
2: you know craig meant like craig just mentioned you know the the possibility that the rangers are linked to jack eichel you know like you mentioned at the top of the show free agency is less than two days away you know and one of the names that the rangers have been linked to is ryan nemeth you know what are the chances they actually do sign them and what are and who are some other guys the Rangers could potentially be linked to in the free agency?
3: Well, you know, uh, Larry Brooks reported today that, that the, uh, that they have an agreement in place to sign uh, Patrick now. So um, he's, uh, you know, I, listen, I, you know, I give Larry credit for it. Larry Brooks is a Hall of Famer and, you know, he's, he's got good sources. So, I mean, if that's, if that's accurate, I have no Reason to believe that it's not. I mean, you'll you'll be getting that veteran defenseman that they were looking for. They need a veteran defenseman to play on that third pair and to mentor whichever young uh defenseman's going to be, you know, on on the right side of that. So I mean, you know, that makes a makes a lot of sense from that standpoint. Twenty nine year old guy, lefty, big, blocks shots, and he's Swedish. So you know, if you have Nils Lundqvist coming over, um, and if, assuming he makes a team, and I assume he would, I don't I don't see why he wouldn't. Uh, that probably would be, you know, a comfort to him as well to have him there. So, uh, so that's one uh, one name that you know, I, I would say is is certainly out there because somebody else put it out there. Um, but you know, I, I don't know where they would go for free agency. I mean, I look at their team and I, you know, I, their lines look fairly well put together, and it depends really on what they do. Now, I've read a lot of places that um, a lot of teams seem to want Ryan Strome. Uh, in trade. And uh, so I suppose it's possible that they could trade Ryan Strom. The the thing is, if you trade Ryan Strom, then you need to get somebody back that can do what Ryan Strom does, which is center your second line. So uh, I would look, uh, you know, it depends on what they do, but if they trade Ryan Strom for something other than a second line center, Mm -hmm. then they would need a center.
1: The Rangers defense was pretty young, obviously with Adam Fox, and one guy who came up towards the end of the year last year was Zach Jones, from uh, I think it was from UMass. Yes. Do you they won a
3: national championship actually?
1: Yeah. Do you expect him? Do the Rangers expect him to take a big leap forward in twenty twenty one, or is he going to be, like you said, maybe paired with a veteran to kind of mentor him as the season goes along?
3: Uh. So I you know if it's me i mean seeing what i saw from zach jones at the end of the season i don't know that i expect him to be on the team right because you have they signed they have Niels lundquist who was one of their three first round picks in 2018 that was the year they, they drafted uh Kraftsoff with the number nine overall and then they 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 had three picks that first round that year they traded up with their second pick to get keandre miller and then they took Niels Lundqvist with their third pick. So Lundqvist is a, is a defenseman. He's a right-sided defenseman. Uh, he was the, the Swedish defenseman of the year in the Swedish hockey league. So, you know, he's, he just turned 21 this month in July. So uh, he's a young guy, but I mean, he's played in the SHL for, for a number of years now. And again, Swedish, you know, he's, he's the Boye Salming winner as a defenseman of the year. So I think, kind of think he's got a, a leg up on, on making the roster, I would think. And so if you look at, uh, at, at the roster as presently constructed, if you assume that Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox are going to stay together as the first pair, if you assume that Keandre Miller and Jacob Trouba are going to stay together as a second pair, uh, and, you know, if you believe that Niels Lundqvist is going to make the team on the play on the third pair right side, then you need a, you know, you need somebody to play on the left side and, and that would be this Patrick Naveth, you know, if, if, uh, if that report proves accurate and, and, and happens. And so that would seem that your defense would be fairly well set. Um, there's always the opportunity or, you know, guys are going to get a look. Um, Zach Jones would get a look. It looks like he can play the left side or the right side. Um, you know, Matthew Robertson, um, you know, So, so some of these guys will get a look in training camp, but I I think that, you know, at this point I would expect Lundqvist to be the, you know, the guy. And then, you know, for your seventh defenseman, you're probably going to want to sign a veteran to be that seventh defenseman. Um, You know, you're not, you would not have a young guy. You wouldn't have, you know, Braden Schneider or Matthew Robertson or Zach Jones be your seventh. I mean, those guys need to play every night somewhere. So you'd probably get a veteran guy to be the seventh, uh, whether that's Anthony Boteto uh, who's already on under contract. I don't know. Uh, they might want to go out and get somebody else. Um, so I don't know. So that's, that's kind of where they stand as far as the defense. I mean, they have a lot of young guys that are coming, but they can't all fit into the lineup. So, you know, Adam Fox is going to be here for a while and um you know, if Miller is already here and he's going to be here for a while, they just re-signed Ryan Lindgren this summer. So he's going to be here. So I don't know that there's any spots for these young guys. So some of them are going to play in the minors for a year or two and we'll see what happens. And some of them are going to probably be traded.
2: You know, you mentioned, you know, how young this team really is. And it, you can see it on paper. A lot of these guys and a lot of their good players are like 25 and under. And it's, yeah. it's very good for this young team. You know, you just had Adam Fox win Defensive Player of the Year for the for the Rangers. So, what does it mean for the Rangers that a guy who is twenty three years old, I believe he is, mm-hmm. uh, to win win the win the Defensive Player of the Year at such a young age for this team?
3: Uh, you know, it's it's what it is. Is it, it's amazing, right? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I want to say Adam Fox. And Brian Leach comes to my mind before Adam Fox. You know what I mean? I have to catch myself and say, no, 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 it's not Brian Leach. It's Adam Fox. Um, he's really good. Uh, he's really good. And it's the, the thing about him that that I think is, is what kind of maybe caught us, most of us by surprise, is how good he is defensively, right? Because mm. we do that he was a good player offensively. We knew that he could run a power play. We knew that he was going to put up points. We didn't know how good he was going to be in his own end of the ice. And he's been that. And that I think is the reason why he won the Norris trophy is because, well, you know, I mean, Kale McCarr was injured and missed, missed some time. He's another one that's, that's really good out there in Colorado. Um, but I, I think the reason why, uh, I almost said Ryan Leach again. The reason why Fox uh, won the Norris is because he's essentially a two-way guy. I mean, he can put up points at the one end and he can, you know, he can do the job at at the, uh, at the back end as well. And so that is, you know, that's an amazing thing to have when you have that as a team. um, It allows you, you know, it, it makes everybody better. If you have a defenseman that can defend and also score or, or, or on the offense, it makes everybody better. It makes your goalie better. It makes all of your other defensemen better. It makes, you know, your forwards better. I mean, like, if you see some of the passes that he makes, um, you know, he puts guys in good positions and, and allows them to create goals and stuff. So it is, a, it is a very, very key piece to have on your team. And he's 23 years old. Um, and, you know, knock wood, he could be there a long, long time. Um, I wanted to talk about, just to jump off the Rangers for
1: a minute and talk about the uh, Seattle Kraken, the expansion draft last week. Um, I, saw yeah. your, I saw your tweet about how disappointed you were in the overall production of the expansion yeah,
3: draft it was, yeah.
1: on ESPN. Um, the Kraken take Colin Blackwell from the Rangers. Um, w- looking over their roster after the draft was all said and done, what do you like about it? And what are the Kraken getting in Colin Blackwell? Where do you see him kind of fitting? on that roster
3: well you know you look at their roster and i there were a lot of top six forwards available and they didn't go for them i mean as we as as they set up right now now they do have cap space and they will be aggressive in free agency so they're going to go after some people um But, you know, as of right now, I don't know who their first line center is going to be. I mean, it looks, you know, from everything that I've read, Yanni Gord is going to be their first line center. And he was a third line player on Tampa Bay. So, you know, I mean, they obviously didn't take uh, Gabriel Landeskog. Um, I'm sure they talked to him. Well, I know they talked to him. They had exclusive rights to talk to free agents before the expansion draft. So they spoke to him. they opted not to sign him then and, and uh, select him from Colorado. They passed and selected someone else. Um, But it doesn't mean that on Wednesday, they can't circle back and go back to him because obviously they know what he's looking for. And if, and if they decide that they want to pay, they can. Um, And and there are other, other players out there that they could target in free agency. And there are deals that, that, uh, you know, they're willing to trade. I mean, listen, they, they've got like, they've got a lot of cap space and that's, I think, you know, by design, they, they, uh, they drafted a lot of young guys. They drafted guys to play on their minor league team. You know, they drafted guys that aren't going to make their, their NHL roster, because I think they anticipate that they're going to sign some people in free agency and maybe acquire some people. So I don't really know where they're going to go or who they're going to trade. And, you know, I, I, you know, there was a thought that you know they selected Mark Giordano, the defenseman from uh, from Calgary, who was the Calgary Flames captain, and there was a thought that they were selecting him and they were just going to trade him right away. But then they then they brought him onto that that show that that broadcast and you know had him you know say you know how happy he was to be there. It was the first time he was ever drafted, and so I don't know that he's a guy that they're looking to trade right now. I think he's probably going to stay there. Was it me, or did they just look? And I'm not just talking about the new Kraken roster. I'm talking about
1: the ESPN guys. They look, all looked like really nervous. Like they,
3: um, yeah, looked, it
1: was. It was. Um, Fowler looked like at one point he didn't know what to say about certain teams. It was just like it was really weird. Like it was just a very awkward broadcast in general.
3: I think it was an awkward broadcast. You have one team coming in, right? It's not as though, it's not as though two teams are coming in and then one team selects a guy and another team selects another guy. It's it's one team coming in you know, the picks were due at 10 o'clock in the morning. So like, you know, you knew who was on their roster already and they were just trying to, you know, create And then the the names had leaked out. I think almost all of them had leaked out um, probably within an hour or two of 10 o'clock. So, you know, everybody knew who was on their roster already. Um, And, you know, you watch the show to see if there were any surprises. Maybe they made a trade or something like that. And they didn't. (laughs) So (laughs) it was kind of like, you know, I don't know what they could have done. I was a little disappointed in the broadcast. That said, I thought they, you know, um, they did a really nice job with the with the entry draft, uh, you know, a couple days later. So, yeah, I don't want to say if they made, made up for it or, or whatever, but they did a nice job with the entry draft. So good for them.
2: You know, going back to the New York Rangers, one guy who he didn't really have a disappointment, but he got injured was was Capocacco. You know, can we... Coming off this injury, going into the 2021-2022 season, can we expect him to take take a step forward as that former first overall pick? Or you know, is the what what can we really
3: what what can we expect from him? I liked I liked a lot of what I saw from him in 2021. Uh, If you, I'm not one that really is a slave to analytics but you know his analytics were good um if, you, if you're into that sort of thing um but you know the eye test if you looked at him if you watch their games every night as i did you could see him doing things um making strong defensive plays his plus minus went you know in the right direction uh and you know all the metrics suggest that he had a really strong uh, performance uh on the defensive uh, you know in his defensive responsibility so I, I like that um hes still you know remember still learning the rank and the country um and i think now especially with uh, Buchnevich being traded uh that opens up a spot on the first line and if not on the first line then on the second line so i, I think he'll get he he figures to get at least at the start until he proves that he doesn't deserve it, he figures to get a real shot to get really significant ice time uh, and to play with, uh, you know, the best the Rangers have as far as forwards. And so I would imagine that, yeah, this will be the year where you see him take a step forward. I think he took a step forward this season. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just, you know, the defensive end of the game. Uh, and now I think you'll see him take another step forward in third season, you know, and then if he doesn't, then, you know, then you can worry.
1: Colin, um, when the Rangers traded Pavlo Buchnevich over the weekend, um, from what I was reading, it was for Drury to free up more cap space to eventually start looking into extensions for Mika Zabinijad, Igor Shesterkin. Um, I don't know about Adam Fox. I'm not really sure what his contract situation is as of right now. So uh, he's
3: he's under contract. For, he signed a three-year entry-level deal. He's played two years, so he has one more year left on his entry-level contract. But he's eligible to uh, to sign an extension. So they they can talk to him now about an extension if they want. So my
1: question is, what do you who do you think is Drury's first priority out of those three, being as though shisterkin has been playing really well, as has is. you know one of your
3: well it it would have to be shesterkin because shesterkin's contract is up um and he needs to be under contract the other two are under contract so Manajad um has a year left on his contract and, and adam fox has a year left on his so there's no uh you'd like to get it you know closed up certainly it would send a message if you could uh you know if you could do that early and you'd also set up your you know your cap space and you'd know what what your cap looks like going forward so yes if you could do that you would but uh, the greater priority would be Shesterkin because he is out of contract and you need to, you know, you need to lock him up. And I don't know what he's going to make. Uh, he is your number one goalie. Um, so I don't know if he's, a, you know, I mean, if you look at what, um, you know, Alexander Georgiev makes, uh, he's under 2 million a year. I would think Shesterkin will be north of four, approaching five, something like that. And mean, starting starting goalie money. So, um, yeah, you'd, you'd want to get that done, I think, first. You know, the new coach that got hired was Gerard
2: Gallant. The last team he coached was the the Las Vegas Golden Knights, and he had very success in his first few years. Then he got fired in his third year halfway through the pandemic season. So what can we expect from him as a head coach for this new, young Rangers team?
3: Well, so if you look at his track record, right? He's had he's had three previous jobs. He, he uh, his first coaching head coaching job was in Columbus, and he got fired in the third season there. The um, second head coaching job was in Florida. Did a great job in the in the first and second seasons. Got fired in the third season there. Um, and then in Vegas, uh, obviously they well, they had an opportunity to put together a a killer roster. They put together a killer roster and he got all the way to the Stanley cup final uh, in their first year um, and ultimately got fired in in his third season there. So he's the kind of guy that, that looks like, you know, he's going to provide you a jolt uh, in his first year or two, and then we'll see if he can outlast, you know, his, his previous, uh, you know, stops. Uh, But for now, I think, you know, the Rangers, really seem to want to make the playoffs in, in 21, 22, uh, it's important to them, you know, to show progress and to, to, to be able to say that the rebuild is over and, and, uh, uh, and, and they've arrived. So, uh, I think that, you know, he's going to, um, you know, he's going to bring with him, uh, you know, a, a sort of a tougher, grittier style. Uh, maybe they're going to pressure teams in the, you know, on the four check, um, a little bit more than, than than maybe before but you know you, you can also see that you know chris jury the general manager is sort of remaking the roster reshaping the roster a little bit you know they, they the rangers have been loaded up with european players who play a certain way and they're creative and you know and, and maybe they need a little bit more north american straight ahead uh physical style and I think he's going out and getting players that'll do that. Goudreau is, is, is going to do that. I mean, the guy they got from, from, uh, from St. Louis and in, in the Bushnevich trade, Sammy Blay, uh, I guess it is. That's how you pronounce it. He, mm-hmm. uh, he's a guy who is more of a straight ahead, third line grinder, physical hit people type guy. So you will see a team that will, will hit people more and will, uh, you know, at least on the third and fourth lines, um, be able to, you know, drive uh, in their lanes toward the net. Now, in doing that, you know, you did have to, you do have to make changes, and you move out Buchnevich and that that moves up, you know, presumably Kako, but you know, maybe it's Lafreniere who switches to the right wing, whatever it is. You know, part of the problem was you had so many of these guys that your third line ended up being Lafreniere, Filipedal, and and uh, and Kako. Mm -hmm. it's not a typical third line in the sense of, you know, a driving sort of physical hit people kind of third line. Right. That's a, that's a skilled line that, um, you know, so if you move some of those guys up in the lineup, then you can fit guys like Goudreau and Sammy Blay on, on that third line and and you can get a third line that plays more like a traditional third line. So, um, you know, so that's, that's kind of what, what you're going to see, I think uh, from, you know the twenty-one, twenty-two Rangers is maybe more grit, more physical play, um, and maybe a couple more guys that'll drop the gloves. You know when when need be. Colin, I want to jump
1: back to the NHL draft for a second. Uh, one of the big selections over the weekend that were heavily criticized was the Montreal Canadiens draft. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> that <was> tough, right? <laughs> I thought I blindside you a little bit. You were talking, you were in a group rhythm talking about Capo Caco and uh, you know. Figured I'd throw you a little curveball. Yeah. Um, he asked not to be drafted. The Canadians drafted him in the first round anyway. And my question is with the Canadians doing that, did they inadvertently send a bad message? Maybe in just around the sport of hockey by pretty much saying whatever happened in Sweden with, uh, I don't even want to get into the details because it's pretty, pretty bad. But um, did they kind of you know? Did they just kind of say, "Yeah, we don't really give a damn. We're just going to take him anyway because we think he's a good, really good player."
3: Yeah, I I, I don't know why they did it. Honestly, I can't I can't defend that call. Listen, the guy did a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needs to pay some kind of price for what he did. Um, and if you don't want to, you know, talk about the the sordid, seamy details of what he did, let's <laughs> just say it involved you know, uh, you know, a young woman and, you know, things that maybe she didn't consent to. Um, and I don't want to get into any more detail than that, but whatever it is, you know, he seems to be, the young man does seem to, you know, he said all the right things to this point. I don't know what he could say. Um, but, but he said all the right things to this point. He seems to be remorseful and all that. He's, he asked not to be drafted and the Canadians drafted him. Um, here's the thing. There's seven rounds in the draft. They didn't have to take him on the first night. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a good player. He's a first round talent, um, by, you know, by all accounts, uh, they had a lot of draft picks. They could have taken him on the second day. They could have taken him in the second round or third round. I'm pretty sure he would have still been there. Um, and if he wasn't there, then somebody else would, it would be somebody else's problem. I don't think that they needed to take him in the first round. Um, I just, I can't quite figure out <laughs> why, why you would do that. Listen, maybe you feel like you've got a support system and, you know, you've got a plan to help this guy out, but you know, he doesn't need to be a first round pick. It's just my opinion.
2: Mm-hmm. Now I, I got one more question. It's an Islanders question. And me and Craig, we're talking, talking about this just before you came onto the show, you know, Nick, the Islanders made some big moves, obviously, trading, getting rid of Andrew Ladd and Nick Letty, free up, some, free up some cap space. So, like the Rangers question I asked, who do you think the Islanders could potentially be getting? Because we saw it the past two years, form, the same team ain't working. So, you got to go out and get someone. And I fully believe Vladimir Tarasenko will be playing for the Islanders in
1: 2020. And I say it's Landis Kog. I, I'm really convinced. <laughs> well,
3: either, either one of those guys would, would uh, is a good guess. Um, yeah. I mean, either one of those guys is, is a real good guess. Uh, I, I have a funny feeling that Landis Scott is going to go back to Cal to Colorado. Um, you know, and uh, and I, I think it's more likely that they would get Tarasenko. Uh, he seems to be the, the guy that, you know, is, is more likely to move at this point. Um, Landis God wants to get paid. Colorado doesn't want to pay him, but at the end of the day, you know, Colorado was right there. They're, you know, they're at the top end of, of the list of contenders elite teams and stuff. So I don't know why they would want to, you know, don't kind of let this guy get away. So I, I find it much more likely that Landis will, will go back to Colorado one, you know, one way or the other, they'll figure something out. Um, Tarasenko, I believe, is available and is going to move, and I, I think that the Islanders, um, you know, could use a guy like him. Uh, if you're looking at other names that that they've been linked to, I, I would I would assume that uh, you know I would almost assume that that Zach Parise uh, is you know I, I would I, would, I, I would, think he's locked uh, to come to the Islanders. I don't yeah, know. I'd write him in an ink, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, I know that they're looking at uh, you know that they were linked at least in media reports with interest to Alec Martinez, who seems to be going back to Vegas. Um, and then uh, they were also linked to Ryan Suter, uh, you know, who was bought out by Minnesota along with um, Zach Parisi. Um, and I, I think Ryan Suter would, would do great on the island, but it seems like he has other options. And, and you know, what the, the latest we've heard is maybe Dallas or someplace like that. Um, so maybe not. So, but yeah, if you're asking my opinion, it's just an opinion. It's just really a guess. I mean, whether it's Landeskog or Tarasenko, uh, you know, I'm with you, Chris, I'm thinking it's more likely going to be Tarasenko than Landeskog, but I mean, you know, they're in, they're in the market for both now. Don't don't, don't, don't get it twisted. And if, if somehow Landeskog uh, becomes available and they can make it happen, I think that they'll do it. And I think, if they don't, you know, Lou will have a plan B. So in other words, you know, if if he can swing for the fences and get Landeskog, then you know that'll be Plan A. And and if that doesn't happen, he'll have a Plan B, and that Plan B might involve a lot of Devils. I mean, you know, it might be, you know, it might be, you know, yeah, let's bring in yeah, let's 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 bring in Zach Greasy and let's re-sign you know Kyle Palmieri and you know and yeah, what the hell? Let's let's bring back Travis Ajak too. He did nice uh, you know in the playoffs for us. So no, I think there's a Plan A and a Plan B and probably a Plan C as well. I'm very happy to announce
1: that according to one of the Instagram Islander pages, that Michael Dell Cole is now an unrestricted free agent. Oh, thank God! I, can't, I I was so bummed out by him because we that was a top five pick. too. And he was just, I mean, I felt like he was just more of a third or fourth line player at this point. He wasn't really, he didn't really, I don't know what it was. I guess the this, this style just didn't really fit him or it didn't fit anything, but.
3: Yeah. I mean, you never, you never know. I mean, it's not a team that I cover every day. Um, I, so, I mean, I, I see a lot of them in the playoffs. I don't see them. I sort of peripherally see them. I talk to Andrew Gross a lot. I read, I read what I can. Um, so I, I, couldn't tell you what the problem was with Dal Cole. I mean, I, I think sometimes guys don't pan out, you know, and sometimes, sometimes you project, you know, cause when you're drafting a guy at, at 18 years old, you have to project that he's going to be X or he's going to be Y or he's going to be Z. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you project him to be X and he doesn't get to be X, you know, he, he gets to be some, he's, he's something else. And, you know, you project that he's going to be a top six forward and he ends up being a bottom six forward, you know, um, and, and it's fine. doesn't mean he doesn't have value. doesn't mean he can't play in the league. It um, doesn't mean he can't play on your team. Uh, but, you know, but there comes a time when he gets to be a certain age where, you know what, you know, maybe it's just better for all concerned if you go somewhere else and we go get somebody else. So, you know, good for, you know, I mean, he'll he's not going to be out of work long. Somebody will sign him and, and uh, you know, he'll go have his NHL career somewhere else. All right. Here's my
1: last question. So. During the playoffs for the Islanders, I would always read the keys to the playoffs and everybody would do their predictions, you, Andrew, and I think Neil Best was the other one. I can't remember who the other right, one right. was. Right, right, yeah, three of us. So I noticed a trend with you, okay? <laughs> And I'm going to chalk this up to you being a Rangers guy. Right. Okay, so in the Bruins series, I think Andrew had Islanders in seven, Neil had Islanders in six, and you had Bruins in five. Okay. I wasn't that insulted then. So we get to the lightning and then I see Andrew has the Islanders in seven. There's something magical with this team and all that. Neil had, I I think he had Islanders in seven and you had lightning in five. (laughs) So here's my question. Did you really believe those predictions or were you trolling the Islander base? And it's okay. I, I, it's okay. I, you, you definitely, you know, you. Hit, I was like, I, I saw it, and I've had you on the show a few times, and I was like, I go there. That's so Colin. <laughs> I was like, that's so Colin.
3: Um, I'm not gonna admit. Uh, I, you know what? I'm gonna plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> I'm gonna let that one pass. You know, I mean, you know, you can't. Uh, like, I'm, I'm the Rangers beat writer. Um and uh yeah, no, I I can't be cheerleading for the Islanders. You know what I'm saying?
1: I, okay, because I would have said in like Islanders Golden Knights in the finals or or whatever, and you said <laughs> golden knights in four, then you and I would have had a
3: would have had a conversation. So you know, <laughs> I did pick the islanders to beat the penguins now. So don't get don't, don't get too uh bent out of shape. I mean it's not like I completely dogged them the whole time. <laughs> but uh, no, when that you know they listen, they, it's They, uh, they have a good team. I, I, I have a great deal of respect for, for Lou Amarillo and for Barry Trotz and for that roster. Um, But I think that they probably had the toughest, uh, you know, coming out of the toughest division, right? This division was tough, but I I think that the Islanders had the toughest route uh, to the semifinals of anybody. Yeah, You, you know, you, all right, I, I didn't. I thought they were better than Pittsburgh, and they were. Um, but then to have to go through Boston and then Tampa to get to the finals—I mean, th- that's that's a lot. That's a lot to ask. And um, mm-hmm. you know, to be fair, um, you know, I got to give them uh, respect for you know beating Boston and and taking Tampa all the way to Game Seven. Especially you know when they got smoked in, in Game Five uh, in that series. Yeah, that was, Wow. I, I didn't
1: know if they were going to recover from that. Yeah. To come back,
3: you know, that to come that back down, it wasn't just like a three to one game. They yeah. just got destroyed from start to finish. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I was in the, I was in the Coliseum that night for the watch party and it was, it was bad. It was awkward. Yeah. Uh, and to, for, for them to come back from that and, and win that game six, um, in overtime, was, uh, was a really, really nice, uh, nice story for them. Um, and, you know, the last game of the Coliseum was a win, was a thrilling win. And, um, you know, uh, but at the end of the day, um, it, it would have been a lot to ask to go through in Pittsburgh and Boston and Tampa to get to the final, but, if, you know, you Almost know did. They, they quitted themselves well. I mean, I just, I just want to see like
1: that Tarasenko or that Landeskog on the Islanders. Um, I don't know. I don't know that you're going to get both of them. I, you know, let's say one okay, or the other. A boy, a boy can dream. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, but the one thing I guess with me is the reason why I'm pushing more for one of those guys or both is because I just see Barzell as more of a, almost like a table setter, like an assist kind of guy, more than a goal scorer. Almost like, reminds me a lot of like a Jason Kidd. The guy who always set up the assists more. I think Islander fans were expecting him to be the next Tavares, and I kind of knew he wasn't. And well, I think he was know, just more of like that playmaker type of guy more than the thirty goal, forty goal scorer. That
3: I think what you need on any team is you want your best players to play with other really good players, right? I mean, it's just it's it's hard when you have him out there with Jordan Eberle, he was a nice player and Leo Camaro, who yeah. is not going to score. Um, you kind of almost start playing. I don't want to say you're playing a man short because Camaro will do other things. Obviously he's going to, he's going to hang back and he's going to take care of the spo- defensive responsibility. He's going to help out. And, and there's a reason why the coach put him on that line, but you, you want, you want a guy like Barzal playing with other talented offensive players and they can, you know, make each other better. Um, and so, yeah, you, you definitely need somebody, uh, whoever it is, whether it is Landis or it is Tarasenko or some other name that, you know, we haven't discussed, you, you need for that guy to play with another good offensive player to get the best out of him and everybody.
1: Colin, thank you so much for being on the show. This was awesome, as usual. I mean, we always love having you on to talk hockey and, you know, kind of bust your chops a little bit.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's fun. I mean, you know, a little chop busting, there's nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I I mean, I, mean, still think you were trolling the Islander base, and the fact that you pleaded the fifth doesn't help your cause with me a little bit. <laughs> but, that, but that's okay. It's, it's all good. It was it was just funny, because all I saw was, like, Islanders in seven... Like it was almost like I said, like, man. Collins not even giving him a chance. I'll just hang with him. <laughs> or like Bruins in five, or is he? <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> whatever, yeah, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> it's all just empty, meaningless words at the end of the day.
1: <laughs> but uh, thank you again for you know just taking the time to always come on the show and just hanging out with us, to talk some hockey. We always look forward to it. We always really appreciate. It. Love talking love hockey, man. Anytime you guys
3: want me, just reach out. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be there for you.
1: Great. I really appreciate it, Colin. And again, you know, good luck with Free Agent Frenzy on Wednesday. I know you'll be a very busy guy. So your Twitter storm will be going crazy every five minutes. So, I mean, I anticipate it. But, uh, you know, I read your stuff all the time. You, you do an awesome job. Yes, and even when you cover the Islanders, you do a really good job. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks, man. There's none of that Islander pessimism. <laughs> All thanks right, gentlemen. Take care of yourself. Enjoy enjoy the free agency period this week. And uh we'll definitely have you on again really soon as the season gets closer to uh getting started. All right. Until next time. Thanks. I appreciate it. Fun time. Right, take care of yourself, Colin. Have a good one.
3: All right. Bye.
1: All right. Take it easy, man. Ah oh, man, we can't talk about you now. <laughs> there <laughs> we go. <laughs> That was the one and only Colin Stevenson. Uh, check out his stuff on the Rangers. He's going to be a very busy man this week with uh, free agency starting on Wednesday. Um, kind of curious to see where the Rangers go from here. And um, yeah, so definitely check out his stuff in Newsday. He does an awesome job. Andrew does a great job covering the Islanders. We definitely want to get Andrew on again soon too. And um, but again, check him out in Newsday. He's going to—you'll be definitely reading a lot of his stuff on Wednesday and Thursday, definitely this week with the Rangers. Probably being pretty active in free agency. So, Clint, yes, your thoughts?
2: Look, uh, look, I'm not a Rangers fan by any means, but you know, like I like this Rangers team. It's very, it's a very good team, and you know, getting Collins' insight on them, you know, especially with how, especially like I said, how young this team really is. Because, like I said, you look, you look at some of these guys on the team. Most of the the good guys on the team are 26 and younger and they're very good at getting a guy like Adam Fox. He's 23 years old, just one defensive player of the year. And again, incredible guy. So getting Collins insight on it definitely makes me more excited to watch New York hockey in the coming, in the coming months.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, Collins insight is great. I mean, I, you know, I love hearing about the, you know, I'm not, you and I are not Rangers fans of course, but, um, just hearing about what they're planning, what, you know, could be in the, see, I always thought the Chris Drury addition was more of a, I don't don't know if maybe, maybe panic move is not the right phrase to use for it with Dolan, because I think he was a, I always thought Dolan was afraid he was going to lose Drury. Right. To, you know, another team because he was being recruited by a couple of teams before. I think he, I think he originally was offered the Penguins job and he turned it down. Mm-hmm. Or I forgot what team it was that offered him the GM position. He turned it down. And I really thought when they hired Davidson, he was going to be there to stay for a while because Davidson, I remember Davidson used to do the play by the analyst with uh, Sam Rosen for major right. hockey. And, and I mean, when he came in and took over, you know, he started talking a lot of shit, you know, Rangers are back and all this stuff. And he was, it was gone within a couple of years.
2: Yeah, I know it. It was crazy. Like I said, like it was so crazy to see the whole shift in front office, especially while they were in the midst of a of a great rebuild. Because you saw the year before, you know they managed to get uh, Panarin, and he almost wins the MVP. Mm-hmm. You have such a, you have two first round draft picks, two first overall picks in Kako and Lafayette. and then you have a guy like Adam Fox again, twenty three years old, just win Defensive Player of the Year. And they they demolished the whole front office and coaching staff. It's like what what's going on here, you know? Yeah. And maybe it was a panic move, maybe it wasn't, but I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how this Rangers team reacts to Gerard Gallant as the new head coach, uh, and Chris Drury as the new uh, GM and pre- uh,
1: new president. I mean Gallant. I mean, I don't know how he's, you know, what his coaching style is going to be. The Rangers were always a team to me that weren't as physical. Mm -hmm. They were more like, you know, like he said, they, a lot of European guys who play a style of hockey. That's, you know, not necessarily showboating, but it's a lot of playmaking and all that stuff. Right. These guys get, you know, when you go up against a team like the Islanders who have one line of nothing but physical players and clutterbuck and, uh, Sezikis and Martin yeah. I mean that's tough to go up against when you're a Panarin and Lafreniere because you're not used to that right you're not used to that physical style of hockey and I think that's where the Barkley Goudreau move comes into play because that's his style when he played with Tampa so he's going to bring that style to the Rangers and I'm sure that's what Drury's going to be looking for because he doesn't want to see his top offensive players getting pushed around by another team's checking line or or whatever it is right It's going to be very interesting. You know, I don't know what the Rangers are going to do because I think the Rangers are set in a lot of positions. They have a lot of young, quality offensive players. If you talk about, you know, Strom and Kreider, Zabinijad, and Panarin, and Lafreniere, and Kako. I mean, they're pretty loaded right now. So I'm not sure where else they're going to add that's going to you know where they're not going to break the bank for a guy. At least I don't think they're going to. I yeah but, I don't
2: think yeah if they stick with this team, the only thing I can really see them doing, going out and making trades for, are veteran guys that we that we can see them help lead them to a playoff run. Like we saw back in two thousand uh, what was it fourteen when the when the Rangers they made they made the trade and got got a guy like uh, Martin Saint Louis who was a huge help for them in their playoff yeah. run to the Stanley Cup that year.
1: Yeah. So Wednesday will be a pretty exciting day as an Islander fan. Clem and I are looking forward to seeing what Lou Lamerell has got up his sleeve. Um, I do think there's going to be some changes. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be shocked if there was a trade of a loved Islander. Um, you know, sometimes I always find that the Islander fan bases is they get too emotionally attached to these guys. Uh-huh. Almost like it's like it's like almost like getting rid of a girlfriend in a way. Because listen, Jordan Eberly was a good Islander, but I'm not gonna sit here and, and say, Oh my god, we got rid of Jordan Everly. Islander yeah. fans defend like not I think they were borderline distraught.
2: Yeah, they
1: Eberle- by the Kraken. I mean
2: like I was even talking about it with guys in my firehouse who are diehard Islanders fans and they were saying the same thing. They're like they're like, I can't believe all these people who
1: are crying over Eberly being gone. It's like And I'll tell you why that is though, because the Islander fan for so many years Free agents have never wanted to come here. The guys they traded, the superstar players they ultimately trade for didn't want to be here. When they traded for Thomas Vanek a few years back, when they traded Molson to get mm-hmm. Thomas Vanek, when they made the deal to get Ryan Smith from Edmonton years ago, and Ryan Smith was, like, practically crying his eyes out that he was leaving Edmonton, I mean, to go to the Islanders. He, he wanted no part of coming to the Islanders. Right. But they made the trade anyway. I mean, this franchise and this fan base for years and years have been beaten up by the fact that nobody no superstar really wants to come here and you hear the same shitbox excuses they don't want to play in brooklyn they don't you know the coliseum isn't what it is you know it's a it's a it's a shithole in many ways they are not wrong but up until now at least but they've always struggled to get that superstar
0: mm-hmm
1: and the, the only way they got that superstar more times than not was either taking on a contract they didn't want to take
0: mm-hmm.
1: or, or just taking on a contract they had no choice to take, like Alexa Yashin, for example. And then when they got Michael Pecker, who I was a big Michael Pecker fan, so I'm not really – I'm not complaining about that, that part of the deal at all. But the only other time they've really been able to get that big-time superstar is when he's drafted.
0: Yeah, hence the
1: mark. Ziggy Palfi, like Tavares, Barzell. That's only time they they don't they're not able they I'll put it this way <clears throat> they were a slam dunk to get Panera right up until the Rangers came out of nowhere and offered him I don't think they offered him more money I think he took they less money to go to to go to the yeah. Rangers but why did why did he go to the Rangers It's Broadway it's Madison Square Garden he just that's what he wanted and that's what the Islanders can't they all they can sell you is you know suburban life. Ooh. That's the best they can sell you. They can't sell you anything else. But you see Barry Trotz come in. You see Lou Lamarillo come in. And now all of a sudden, you start to see players interested in coming to the Islanders.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Landeskog has the Islanders on his list of teams he wants to go to. Tarasenko will, would waive his no trade to go to the Islanders. Okay, That's what you want to see as a fan.
2: Uh-huh.
1: You want to see the big-time guys coming to this team.
2: Yeah, and over the past you know few years, we got the guys like Kyle Palmieri and JG Paggio and and, and Jordan Eberle, and they they're they're okay players, but they're not superstars. You know, like they they do they do their job, and their job is is done well, but they're yeah. not they're not the Vladimir Tarasenko's. You
1: know, but they're, they not want the to dunk, win. they're not the they're not the Paneros. That's it. They just want to win, and they see the Islanders two years in a row going into the Eastern Conference Finals. Before, you know, losing game seven, one, nothing. Losing game seven, one, nothing to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Right. I mean, like, does it get more gut-wrenching than that? And at the same time, those guys are saying, they're like, man, this team's really on the cusp. And on top of that, they're moving into a brand new billion-dollar arena. Right. You don't think those guys know that? You don't think Tarasenko and Landeskog are sitting there going, shit, I want to go to the Islanders right now? Yeah,
2: I want to play at USB.
1: Yeah, can you believe how beautiful this freaking arena is? So I am very anxious to see what happens this Wednesday, Thursday, whatever. I don't I don't expect them to go after bring Kyle Palmieri back. I don't to be honest, I'm fifty fifty on Suzekis. I like Casey Suzekas a lot. Uh-huh. But if he's asking for five million dollars a year or six million dollars a year from what I read, they can have him. I'm not I'm not paying that kind of money for him.
2: Yeah, it's, it's it's tough. I mean, look, you want to keep the, the identity line together, and I think Barry knows that. and he, I think he wants it too, but in the end, if he wants that crazy amount of money,
1: it might not work. Like, the rumor going around is the reason why they protected Clutterbuck is because they want to keep – they're making – they're showing Sezikis they want to keep his line together for at least another year. Clutterbuck is a free agent after this year. Right. This upcoming season. So – the thing is, is that they're hoping that by showing Sezikis that, that he'll want to stay. Right. And I think he does want to stay. But I also think that if he gets offered a big contract, I think he's gone. And Lou's not going to match it. Because I think all he really has to do at that point is put Kamarov on that line if he can't get rid of Komarov. That's so, Komarov yeah. kind of does the same exact things that Sezikis does. Sezikis might be a better scorer at the end of the day. Which is, you know, I think he think he had like twelve goals last year. I, I don't really remember. Nothing but too
2: crazy, yeah.
1: But Kamarov is a very physical presence on on this team as well to go with Matt Martin and to go with Cal Clutterbuck. Right. So you have to be prepared for transition. The Islanders were in a shitty cap situation. Lou pulled his magic once again, trading Andrew Ladd's contract without giving up a first round pick, trading Letty to to get a, a panic and another and a pick. So this is all good and everything. And once they put Johnny Boychuk on long-term injury reserve, they're going to have about 23 million, I think, left in cap space. So then it becomes a question. If you still have to re-sign your guys like, you know, Sorokin, Beauvillier, Pellic, mm-hmm. is another guy. Although Pellic could command a huge salary. The Islanders may not be able to match it. But right now, I just want to see that superstar. I've been jonesing for that superstar. And that's why I'm pushing more for Gabriel Landeskog over Tarasenko. But I'll be fine with either one. So let me just get that out of the way right now.
2: Yeah. No, I, I. The only reason I, I like Tarasenko more than I like Landeskog, I, again, I would also like either or. It does not matter to me. But I, I, I'm preferring Tarasenko just because of the fact that when he's healthy, when he's at the top of his game, He's a top-ten player in this league, and if we can get him for a decent amount of money and not a crazy trade, by all means, let's get him.
1: All right, before we get out of here, um, a couple of notes. We're going to do one thing really quickly, and then we're going to do just very briefly on Jets and Giants training camp, which starts tomorrow, Jets report tomorrow. I think the Giants is Wednesday, but I'm not really sure. So the craziest offseason continues for the Houston Texans as Deshaun Watson is going to report to training camp Mm -hmm. this week to avoid being fined $50,000 per day. Right. Okay? Man, Claire, you can't go to camp with all this shit over your head. Like, you just can't. And the worst part about it is these players are going to be asked, Deshaun Watson, he's going to have to be escorted out by, like, 30 security guards. Oh, yeah. Every time he he goes to camp and practices, but it's going to be so freaking awkward. Like, you don't think that's going to be awkward with like him Mm -hmm. showing up to camp? He doesn't like the coach. He's not a fan of the coach. He's not a fan of the owner. He's pissed off at the general manager. And he's going to show up to camp just to avoid paying 50 G's a day. That's pretty freaking ballsy of Deshaun Watson. Now I understand why he's doing it. The Texans have no choice. They have to let him. You can't not you can't tell him not to come unless you're going to pay him to stay home. Right. Unless you waive his fines every day, which teams do more times than not when there's a holdout. But this is just another notch on what has become such a freaking mess of an offseason for the Texans. Now, add to that the fact that the Texans are shopping Deshaun Watson right now and are basically saying the minimum they'll take is three first round picks. And I think a player or two to get Deshaun Watson. This guy has zero trade value right now. Zero. Like not even a seventh round pick. I wouldn't even, you can't even touch the guy right now because these court cases are not resolved. From what I've read today, I think there were 10, I think there's eight women who filed cases, suits against him or criminal case charges against him that are not part of the like 25 civil suits or something like that. It's a, there's no way he's going to get that cleared up this year, but the crazy virtually impossible. What I think is crazy
2: though, is that he hasn't been suspended at all by the Texans or even the NFL. Like I think it's crazy that we're go. We're we're only a week away. They can't oh, you...
1: spend them because they don't really know. They don't really know much about what's going on. They don't know if this is just a cash grab by these women or he really did some messed up shit.
2: Well, that and that's the other thing, like the fact that they don't know by now. When when did this get reported? Maybe back in. April-ish, March, and the fact that they don't know by now, and the the NFL is usually really on
1: top of this stuff. It's it's weird. It's all it's all it's all weird. The thing is, when you're loaded with money and you can pay lawyers to just prolong, prolong. You know, we're gonna push it back and keep put delay it, because then you're gonna hit these women with depositions a year from now. Mm -hmm. They're not gonna fucking remember what they said a year ago. That's what I think they're hoping for with with this whole thing. But it's almost like delusional. Like, I mean, first of all, the GM, Casario, he's an idiot.
2: Yeah, we know that.
1: This is a guy who came into this offseason knowing full well that the Texans were in a little bit of a, like, it was going to be very tumultuous. He had already released J.J. Watt, and now you have Deshaun Watson who's not happy about the fact that you hired a coach without – you. He Casario got the job without anybody talking to Watson, and then you figured, okay, maybe if they hire bien enemy, it'll maybe smooth things over a little bit with Deshaun. They hired David Cully, who was an assistant – I think he was assistant head coach, but he was also in charge of the passing game in Baltimore, and the passing game sucked last year. They were, like, ranked 30th in the league, or I think they had the worst passing attack in the league. But – so that bothered Deshaun Watson – the moves they made were very head-scratching. You have six running backs right now with Mark Ingram, Phillip Lindsey, um, Rex Burkhead, David Johnson. I mean, all four of those guys, one of those can start on any other team. Right. we play a These all, all four of these guys are on the same freaking team. Okay? You use your one – you know, you didn't have a first-round pick or a second-round pick this year. You use your first pick in the draft, a third-round pick on a fucking quarterback. So that's got to piss Deshaun Watson off too. So – and you want three first-rounders now for him? Right. You can't be serious. Like, you just can't be serious. Why would I trade you first-rounders for a guy who may not even suit up for me this year?
2: It, 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 it's an absolute shit show. With, with should. The they should have
1: cut their losses right at the beginning. Like, as soon as he wanted to trade, they say, okay, where do you want to go? And we'll talk to these teams and try to make it happen. Where do you want to talk to me? Where do you want to go? Right. That's common sense. The Texans are not going to be a good team this year. They're not, they're going to be a bad, no. bad football team.
2: I'm pretty sure we, me and you both, put them at the at probably the worst team in the
0: NFL. I'd say like
1: three and 14 with a 17 game season this year. Three and 14. But it's like, you have to, you have to get rid of that problem right away. This is the difference between a good general manager like Joe Douglas and a bad general manager like Nick Casario. Nick Casario signed, like, 25 free agents. None of them were really that great, okay? Over the weekend, he trades for Anthony Miller from the Bears. So you add another receiver to that room that's not that good. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you're – and now you're going to take more reps away from a guy like Nico Collins, who should be getting the reps. Right. As, you know, as your rookie draft pick. Like, the logic just makes no sense. You have six running backs. Why do you need all these running backs on your roster right now?
2: makes no fucking sense.
1: So my guess is one of those guys is going to get cut. There's no way they're going to go into the season with Rex Burkhead, Philip Lindsay, David Johnson, and Mark Ingram. No way. Don't see it happening. But you should have – you had no first-round pick and no second-round pick. Any team could have – would have given you that Mm -hmm. right off the bat. I don't know if the Jets would have done it. I don't know because I don't think Douglas – Douglas loves the draft. I don't think he would have ever traded draft pick that many first rounders to get Deshaun Watson.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. But any team, Philadelphia would have probably done it. Um, Maybe the Colts, if they hadn't made the deal for Carson Wentz, but I don't think Houston would have traded him within the division. Miami would have probably done it. Miami needs, you know, Miami would have been glad to trade you two uh, and three first round picks. And then that would have been someone else's problem. Right. Now you got this guy showing up to camp. The amount of press that's going to be there on the first day is going to be insane. They're going to follow this guy all the way to the Texans training facility on the very first day from his house. I mean, it is just, it is a complete shit show in Houston. Absolute shit show right now in Houston. And it has no signs of getting better.
2: No, it doesn't. It, and what is he crazy. going to do?
1: Is he going to go to Texans camp? Is he really going to take orders from David Culley? <laughs> is he going to sit there and listen to David Collier or is he just going to stand there and be like, "Yeah, fuck you. I'm going to do what I want." You know, thanks, but I don't. I don't need your fucking help.
2: No, you're right though. You're absolutely. You're hundred percent right.
1: It's like it makes no sense. It just it makes no sense. Uh, absolutely no sense for him to report. I get why he's doing it because he doesn't want to be fined fifty grand. I'm sure the legal fees are taking a really big chunk out of his ass.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it, it it's almost like borderline psychotic to show up to training camp for a team that you don't want to play for just to save 50 grand a day. Right. Yeah. You know, it just makes no sense. And then on top of that, the GM is basically coming out and saying, well, we want at least three first round picks from him. Like, does he forget how many sexual assault suits are there are against him right now? Hell he not. <laughs> So it's just, wow. <laughs> like, wow. That's all I can really say on the uh, Deshaun Watson front, but it's just, It just keeps getting worse. The the Houston Texans this year have been the gift that keeps on giving for sports (laughs) radio. So I'll just say that right now. All right, last before we get out of here, training camp is tomorrow. Jets, Giants. Zach Wilson is not signed as of yet, but he'll most likely sign. Cliff, what are you looking for? Who do you want to see shine in training camp for the Jets this year? Who's the guy you're looking for right now that you're like, man, I really want to see this guy fuck some shit up this year? And and uh,
2: I, you know, I wasn't too hyped about the pick now, but uh, when they first did it, but one, like one guy I'm really looking forward to after all the stuff I've been reading about him and how high they are on him, I'm really looking forward to seeing Michael Carter, the running back, right? Oh, my, because he there. They're projecting him as the potential starter for the year. And there's a lot of hype around him. I, I need to, see. I love me a good running back. I, love, I was like you, I'm love a good running back. And I need to see this guy play. I need to see him play badly because I, if this guy's going to be starting for our team, I need to see how he's running. I need to see what, what, how fast he is in the pads, how, what, what, how he's hitting the holes and everything. I
1: need to see Michael Carter play. So next week, I'm taking my daughter to the green and white scrimmage. Ooh. So I've been like, dude, I've been jonesing for football. Like I, ha- I don't care if it's a scrimmage. I really don't give a shit. I just want to go watch football. <laughs> like That's all I care <laughs> about right now. I've been jonesing to watch football for over a year now. And actually might be going to the Jets-Giants preseason game a week later. Um, for okay. me, okay, there's definitely a few guys. First of all, I am really, really psyched to see this draft class. Same. I want to see this draft class. One guy I'm really, really excited to see this year, to see what he can do in a new position, is Hamza National Yes. I am very psyched to see, because from what I've heard from the OTAs and everything, he's been doing a really good job. He might take that outside linebacker job away from Blake Cashman, who can't stay healthy as usual. Yeah. thing is, I think Cashman is going to make the team, but I I don't think he's going to be a starter. I really don't think he's going to be a starter. I think he's going to provide a little bit of depth, and then they're going to have Jameen Sherwood as well, probably playing more linebacker. Mm -hmm. Um, from what I'm reading, they're really high on Michael Carter, the safety, not the, not the running back, the running back too, but the safety as well. In fact, he's kind of the front runner to start as a slot corner as an, as a nickelback. Um, I mean, I'm, if I have to pick somebody right now, a guy like I'm really, really stoked to watch. There are two guys, one CJ Mosley, because I really want to see how he's going to handle being off for a year, not playing for basically two years, for two years straight. And, man, the other guy that I really, really just – I got to see him is Zach. I got to see Zach Wilson. I got to see – you know, personally, I'm sick of the fucking Jet haters. I'm sick of everybody giving the Jet shit for drafting him. I'm getting sick and tired of it. I'm sick of listening to it. You know, jerk-offs like Colin Coward and Peter King and, you know, just – Freaking, not killing the Jets, but they're just criticizing all the time. It's like guys never guys had stepped on a field yet. No, so he hasn't stepped on the field. You're muted. You're muted.
2: Yeah, I need to. See, I need to see Zach Wilson play. I need to see him throw the ball because, like you said, and I've been very vocal about this. I, I still, still to this day, think that we should have drafted Justin Fields. But I'm all in on Zach Wilson. I love Zach Wilson. I love everything he's about. He's a great player. So I, I need to see Zach Wilson play. You know, another guy, the other two guys I also want to see play are there is a lot of hype around Elijah Moore. I, yeah. there is a lot of, they're talking about him potentially being better than Corey Davis and Mims this year. That seems to be
1: the growing thing about it is that he's going to be that primary guy that Zach's going to fall in love with and, you know, kind of get him the ball more times. That could also mean you could see Jameson Crowder get released or traded Mm -hmm. because I really think at the end of the day, I mean, I love Jameson Crowder. He's a great Jet, but let's call it what it is. He's then the Jets are not a playoff team this year. No. And I would not be surprised if Douglas knowing full well right now, if I'm the from Douglas, I would be talking to the Rams about one of my running backs, right? Maybe either a Lamichael P Ryan or Josh Adams because of Cam Akers tearing his uh you know his Achilles injury. He's out for the season. Mm-hmm. That's a huge loss for the for the Rams. I'm not saying Lamichael P Ryan is going to be a superstar for you, but I mean if you're looking for another guy without breaking the bank for a pick. Michael P. Ryan or Josh Adams may be the guy where they may just wait to see who gets cut because there's no way the Jets are keeping five running backs on the roster. You know, I think four makes sense, but I don't think it's going to be any more than, than that. But I want to see how Zach works this offense. I want to see how I, I've never seen him. I've seen him throw a little bit on TV, but outside of that, I've, I want to see him throw live. You know Same. I
2: i I, I, need, I need to see him play.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's all I want to see is just, I want to see him, you know, how he handles LaFleur's offense. I want to see how these guys, you know, they've been talking a good game all through before we get to training camp about how, you know, Salah's injected new life into this team. I got to see it. You know, I got, I have to have to see it. And I'm, I'm psyched. Like I said, I'm very, very high on this draft class. I'm very excited to see what this draft class can do. I know this weekend Stephen Nelson signed with the Eagles, Brian Poole signed with the Saints, and I'm okay with that because we – one thing the Jets have never been good at doing is developing. When you de- the only way to develop players and get them better is you got to give them reps. Right. They need reps against other teams. They need reps against other receivers. That's how they're going to get better. That's how they're going to improve technique, and that's how they're going to improve all that stuff. Then they get to know the intricacies of how what these guys like to run, how they run, and all that stuff. You you can't teach that by having these guys all sit on the sidelines for two years, and it's like, okay, you're ready to take over. It, it's not that easy. Right. So, And I think they're very high on guys like Isaiah Dunn, who have got the highest amount of money for an undrafted free agent. So I think he's making the team. You know, I was reading something today in the Jet Press about how one of a guy who could be a surprise cut, although I think highly unlikely – is bless Austin. Hmm. I don't know. I think he's going to – I think he's going to take the starting job. I don't know if they're going to give it to an undrafted free agent outright. Unless Isaiah Dunn just kills it in training camp, but I mean kills it. Right. Okay, and I'm not talking about going up against a third-string offense in the fourth quarter of a preseason game. I'm talking about you put him up against the one and he shuts them down for a quarter. You know, then maybe I can, you know, kind of understand it. Maybe I – but I – I just think this is bless Austin's job to lose. Cause he's a veteran. He's been there for a little longer. And I think that's it. So I think it's still going to be bless Austin and Bryce Hall on, on either side. So as for the giants, you know, for me, I would say the guy that I'm thinking, you know, right now, more than ever that I have to see what he can, not what he can do, but is he back? Is Saquon Barkley? Yeah. Saquon Barkley's coming off a massive injury to a torn, to, as a torn ACL. And I don't know if, you know, he's even hinted he may not be back for week one, which is pretty interesting coming from him. I mean, normally these guys just – these guys don't really kind of say that so early, but it's pretty telling that he's already kind of hinted he may not be back in time for the start of the season.
2: Like, yeah, that, especially because that's your offense right there. You've – the Giants have designed their offense around Saquon, and you saw it took a huge hit last year when he wasn't there. You need Saquon in this offense to be good. And, again, we don't know if he's even going to be back this year, which is, which is, which is crazy to think.
1: And that's part of it too, Clem, because, honestly, you're week one, you're playing a very good Denver secondary, mm-hmm. even though that's a home game. Denver pretty much in, redid their entire secondary, drafting Patrick Sertan, signing uh, Kyle Fuller as soon as he got released from the Bears. They give Justin Simmons a brand-new deal. You bring in Ronald Darby as well, you know, who had a pretty good, decent season last year. You've pretty much re, we've reworked that entire secondary. Yeah. And the Giants, meanwhile, have added Kenny Galladay, of course. They still have Darius Slate. They still have Sterling Shepherd. They added John Ross as a deep threat. But John Ross really hasn't been that good, so I'm not sure how good he's going to be with the Giants. And, again, taking Saquon out of the equation right off the bat, makes the Giants (laughs) one dimensional, which is gonna put too much pressure on Daniel Jones to make plays. Right. And we've seen it time and time again that he does make plays sometimes, but he's not consistent enough. Right. And they let a guy like Wayne Gallman, who was actually a pretty good runner for them last year, they let him go and they bring in Devontae Booker. And I think that's more of a decline than it is, you know, I don't think they I think they got worse at running back compared to getting better. (laughs) I think Gallman was a better runner and I think he knew the system. So that's, for me, he is probably the number one guy by far. You know, I think the Giants defense is going to be very competitive. I think they're going to be very good. But I think Saquon really is going to be that X factor for the offense because if he's back to his original self, they are going to be a very dangerous team going into this season. No, you yeah, so have to miss more time. And that means not getting preseason reps and all that stuff. I'd be a little concerned if I were a Giants fan.
2: You know, and one, one other person you want to look out for if you're a Giants fan is is Andrew Thomas, man. You took him very high in the draft the year the year prior. And, you know, he kind of didn't live up to that. What was it? The fourth overall pick that he kind of didn't live up to that fourth overall pick hype. And you saw other guys who were drafted, other linemen who were drafted later in the draft, guys like Makai Becton and Tristan Wirfs, who outperformed Andrew Thomas on an immense level. So you need to – you need production out of out of Andrew Thomas this year. Now I get is, it.
1: Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going
2: to say, I get it. Maybe he wasn't supposed to play left tackle last year due to Nate Solder opting out because of COVID.
0: Yeah.
2: Fair enough. But okay. now there's no excuse. Nate Solder is back this year. You'll have Andrew Thomas playing right tackle. So if you don't see production out of him this year, it's not, it's not going to be a, a good haul for him down the road.
1: But the concern with me with the Giants, too, is their offensive line seems to be a little bit of in flux because Soldier's coming back from a year off for COVID. Mm-hmm. Will Hernandez has been a real disappointment as a second-round pick for them. Yes. And then on top of that, Thomas really struggled, although he got better at the end of the season, but he still struggled. Mm-hmm. For the most part, it was, not, it was, it was a fairly underwhelming rookie season for him. Not to mention, you have a fourth-round pick and Matt Pert from UConn, who you you could he could be challenging Nate Solder for the for the left tackle side. Uh-huh. This offensive line is in a bit of a flux right now, and I, I don't know how good it's going to really be. But then again, I look at the division, and outside of the Washington Football Team on defense, I think they can beat the Eagles, and I think they could beat the Cowboys. The Did Washington that- Football Team may be the one defense they have trouble with in their division, the only one. Yeah, it's going to be interesting just because of the fact
2: that that defense was did play over the moon last year. They played very, very out of their league, and no one expected it. You know, they were in a lot of games because of that defense, and that defense is going to have to re, have to have a repeat of a performance this this coming year if they want to try and challenge for the the NFC East title.
1: One other thing before we go: conflicting reports over the weekend. Uh, Rappaport reported that the Seahawks and Jamal Adams, the Seahawks are willing to pay Jamal Adams to become the highest paid safety in the NFL and that a deal could get done right before the start of the season or right before or during training camp. Now Bleacher Report is reporting that the Seahawks and Jamal Adams are not even close to a contract extension. So right now we don't know what to believe with this whole thing. I think I could speak for Clem where I could say we're not surprised. Oh, my god! <laughs> so this is like, too funny. I can I, easily, I don't think we're surprised at all at this, at this. I'll say it again. The Seahawks really don't have much leverage here. Jamal really holds all the cards because the Seahawks gave up two first-round picks and a third-round pick to get him. Yep. So I'm sorry. I just think that at the end of the day, I think Jamal is going to get what he wants. I think the timing of his deal stinks because by next year, this could be a team that's in complete transition.
2: Oh, yeah. It, like, it, because
1: we don't know if Russell Wilson is going to be back with the Seahawks after this year. And you still have to pay DK Metcalf, which is another which is another signing you still have to pay. You just gave Tyler Lockett a big extension. And from what I was reading about the Seahawks is they could be going to more running plays. Like They're not going to put it all in Russell Wilson's arm to, to carry them, which I don't even think is a great idea because all their running backs got hurt last year. Chris Carson got hurt last year. Mm-hmm. You know, Rashad Penny was always hurt. They have had a tough time keeping running backs healthy. So I don't know if it's a very wise move to go to a more of a run-oriented style of attack, especially when you have two very good receivers in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. No, yeah, you saw
2: that last year. That the, and I've said it time and time again about the Seahawks, that the only reason the Seahawks were so good last year is because of Russell Wilson. You put any other quarterback in that league other than one of the elite quarterbacks on that team, they don't make the playoffs. Yeah. By, by no shot they don't make the playoffs. I the agree. Was, the de- the defense was highly overrated. Like you said, the running backs were constantly injured, and the only reason that they were in they were they won these games was because Russell Wilson is arguably the best quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. DK Metcalf is arguably one of the best wide receivers in the league. Yeah. And Tyler Lockett is
1: fantastic. It's the only reason why. No. Other than that they 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 had nothing. You're 100% right. All right everyone that's going to do it for the Moffat on the Mike show on this Monday night. We'd like to thank everybody for checking us out again. A very special thank you to our guest Colin Stevenson, Rangers beat writer for New York Newsday. We really appreciate him taking the time to talk hockey with us. Clem, I still think he was trolling the Islanders, but I'm going to I'm going to Look he, ple- he pleaded the fifth. So that we that's I think guilty. we know what that means. I think that's guilty. That's just, you know. <laughs> But I want Colin back on the show, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let him I'm gonna I'm going to I'm going to accept his uh, his explanation. But Colin's a great guy. Please read his stuff on at Newsday. He's he's awesome, and you know we always look forward to him coming on our show, and uh, we look forward to having him on again in the future. Hopefully, as we get closer to the start of the season. So again, we thank Colin Stevenson for checking out our show. Um, check out the podcast, Clem, uh, You forgot to post the sh- interview with Taylor Dahl. Yes. So I was very disappointed when I found out we got no views because somebody posted it to their personal account, and not to the A1 account. Yes, I'm going to shit on you for that. That's fine. Um, I, I deserve it. I deserve it by all means. Clem's Klim, going to post our interview last week with Taylor Dahl and the interview with Colin Stevenson. So you please check it out. Please, you know, comment, like, like our podcast courtesy of Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, we'll be back next Monday night, eight o'clock regular time. Uh, we'll be talking about. We'll try to. I don't know. We'll figure it out as we go along. We are working on a guest to come on the show. Uh, hopefully we can try to smooth some stuff out and uh, we'll let you know who that is as we figure it out. But uh, we are trying to figure out a guest for next Monday night as well. And again, on behalf of my I am Craig. This is the Moffat on the Mic show. Wherever you are, stay safe. Have a great rest of the week and we'll be back next Monday night, eight o'clock right here on the A1 Sports Network Facebook page. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you next Monday.